Hello, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am not Cammy Black, uh, not even John Anderson for that matter. Um, things have conspired against us this week, so 24 hours late, here we are. I am Johnny McGinty, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'm joined this week by Craig Manson. Good evening, Craig. Hello from deepest, deepest darkest Leeds. <laughs> I'm in Newton Mearns this week, Craig, we're all on location. Certainly being, seems to be. And I'm, uh, we're also joined tonight by a friend of the podcast to talk about Scotland-Wales, which is, we've just had, and about something very exciting that's happening this weekend. Gavin Thomas, good evening, Gav. Good evening. Good evening, all. We, um, we are live tonight on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. Pretty sure I got this all right. Uh, and we will also be live later in the Patreon-only Facebook group. If you would like to join that, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Scott Rugby Pod, Scottish Rugby Podcast. I knew I was going to get that wrong. There we go. I will just get there because you had that written down too. And you know what? It's, it's still in front of me. I still got it wrong. <laughs> we'll get there. Loads of extra episodes for £3 a month or for £5 a month, all the extra episodes. I will have a, a wee shout out for you on the pod as well. So we've got lots to get into this week couple of bits of news to start off with. Uh, one pretty big, pretty good bit of news, certainly from my point of view, one obviously not so good. Um, we'll start with the good first. I think Craig, Ollie Kebble and Jamie Batty both extended at Glasgow this week. Good bit of business for Glasgow? It's always good bit of business when you come to front rows, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, being a, you know, uh, they're... Um, uh, Actually, I have to say, Jimmy Patty's done well um, since he's gone to Glasgow. Funnily enough, most Edinburgh, Edinburgh players go well when they go to Glasgow. Um, but um, <laughs> he's, uh, it, it, it's great news to, to, to see the see Scotland internationals um, still playing in Scotland and attracting the fans and attracting the crowds. Um, Ollie Kebble, well, I know that he's your man, Chris, so I'll, uh, I'll probably let you um, you uh, talk more about uh, Ollie Kebble. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to see uh, both of these boys stay in Scotland. It certainly is, yeah. I mean, I'm not shy about the fact that I love Ollie Kebble, so I'm pleased to see him hanging around. Always exciting to have somebody that can play both sides as well. I'll, Useful up front for Glasgow and, and Jamie Batty's actually, like you say, has done really, really well. Um, so, yeah, he's and he's one who's sort of kind of been on the fringes of the Scotland squad. So there's a possibility that if the URC does end up overlapping with Ottawa Internationals and things again, that we, we might see a bit more of him than we, than we do of Ollie. So it's good to have that depth as well, always. Uh, slightly sadder news, unfortunately, to to go on to now. And I'm, I'm kind of quite glad that we missed last night's pods. So we've, we've got... 24 hours to kind of dice, let this sink in a little bit because we not just Scottish rugby but I think the world of rugby lost Tom Smith yesterday and and he's a, obviously a massive player for Scotland at the start of the professional era and not just for Scotland Gav I think just huge for rugby. Oh absolutely you know kind of uh, Tom Smith's one of the first props that really stick in my head as looking like a modern prop you know could do all the skullduggery stuff but could get on the field as well you know he was a uh, the start of that new generation of what props look like now. He certainly was. And a big hero of yours, Craig. Yeah. Um, I have to struggle a little bit talking about this one because uh, um, a huge part of my life growing up watching um, and uh, missed out by 
and that's ball if you're going to, if I'm allowed to say it on the podcast, um, of propping against them um, at a game that we both played at, Johnny. Um, and it was due to me being careless and getting injured before we played them. Um, but a, a, a gentleman, a quiet hero, I called him on, on Twitter because he was. Um, a phenomenal prop forward. Um, well in advance of, of these new modern-day mobile props. Um, he showed the world what a mobile prop really was. Um, and um, I that's as much as I can really say about him. He's just just um, uh, will be sadly, sadly missed. And my heart goes out to his family and his friends and, uh, and uh, this really difficult thing. Indeed, I think said better than any of the rest of us could have managed there, Craig. And, you know, like you say, um, he played against us in a King Penguins touring team, which was a, a team of just all around really, really nice guys. And and he was the nicest among them. So a huge loss, certainly. Um, moving on from that, you'll have guessed from the fact that we've got Gav on this week, that we are going to talk mostly, as we did last week, about the, the Women's Six Nations, TikTok Women's Six Nations, Scotland, Wales, at the weekend, Craig, and coming away with a losing bonus point against a away game, a record crowd in Cardiff, is certainly not something to be to be sniffed at, but Scotland were well in that game. So does it go down as a missed opportunity, do you think? Or is there, you know, that's a Wales team that's certainly on the up. Is there a bit of a, a chink of excitement about the Scotland team now? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I think it's it's one of those situations where, um, again, that kills you. Um, you. You see such a now a lot of people think I'm crazy saying this, but you see such a good performance against England, especially up front, and you expect um, you then start saying, well, you know, actually we can take on most of the world when we come to the forwards and get parity, and it was an, an incredibly exciting game. It's one of the you know, it's been one of the best games I've seen Scotland play. Um, they 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 were inventive. They were um, good in defence at certain times. Um, unfortunately, it was a defence that let them down in the last uh, in the last um, quarter of the match. But um, I have to, unfortunately, uh, I. <laughs> Um, I have to say this, but it's probably fitting when it, when it comes to talk about props again. But um, I think Sinead Harris or Harris um, came on off the bench and showed everyone what playing for your country is about. And she was phenomenal for Wales. So um, I think she visibly lifted um, Wales, who were maybe not floundering, but they were they were finding it tough going with Scotland. And she visibly lifted them, and and and, and they deserved. They got the win and 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 uh, more power to her. You know, obviously going off the bench to get a a, a player of the match award as well as a as, as a very very good um, point that someone has done in the game. But uh, yeah, Scotland, I think have have got just to go back to your question because I've meandered off the point. But uh, Scotland um, really have uh, are are doing better and they're looking better and they're looking like the team that we all want them to be. Uh, and, and considering the score, um, the, the, you know, the England-Italy uh, England score, um, I'm looking forward to our game against Italy. 
Certainly. Conversely, Wales, Gav, have now, that's two wins out of two, come from behind two weeks in a row. They've managed to to keep themselves in to, to two games in a row. And, you know, as as Craig says, bench is making all the difference for Wales. They're, that's two big 80-minute performances. A lot of momentum going into, this will be the tough game this weekend, surely. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of, I, I think it's been a fantastic pair of performances by Wales, but, you know, with all good grace and all goodwill in the world. We aren't winning on uh, this weekend. England are gets a cut above everyone else and the battle is to see who comes third, essentially. But, yeah, it was it was a funny game because I still don't understand how Scotland didn't win it because for the first 40 minutes, you know, kind of the fact that Wales were still in it was miraculous. And then, as Craig said, when, when Sean Ed Harris came on, she made the difference. You know, first thing she does is win a penalty, scores a try shortly afterwards. She she brought a lot of physicality to us. You know, not that there's a side lacking in physicality because uh, Sue and Lily Crap is you know kind of a bit of an unstoppable force at times as well. And unstoppable magic arms, Gav. Tell us about those. What's that? An un- unstoppable magic arms. Should she have been in the bin? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a yellow card all day long. <laughs> You know, it's uh, I am very one-eyed, but kind of that was you know, she's not catching that ever. So the fact that there was only a penalty, but you know, I think the ref has she's worried a bit, doesn't you? Know, it's the last moments of the game, it's on a knife edge, yellow card's going to make a difference there. What was there a risk or reward kind of thing, isn't it? But you know, it was a yellow card all day long for me. Other than that, or Siwan had been had been fantastic. You know, I kind of I, it's my first real experience of the Scottish women's side. I've watched a lot of it before, and you know, there's some great players in that side as well. You know, Lisa Thompson, proper full court player. You know, she's got a bit of everything. Really, kind of a strong engine, good in defence. Kicking out the hand wasn't great, but you know that was the only thing that uh, let her down the entire game. I thought she was fantastic for Scotland. Yeah, I think, Craig, you know, as as Gav says, it was a bit of a surprise to see Wales come back into that game because Scotland, for, for parts of that game, were, were really dominant. The forwards in particular, um, Jade Conkle got player of the round, was was phenomenal. Um, Lana Skeldon, to be making some of the carries that Lana Skeldon was making after 80 minutes of playing in the front row was just incredible. But I think Scotland have got a, a bit of a of a problem with their finishing at the moment, and and there were some mistakes, you know, where we we really could have been free and clear in that game, and it's just just little bits and pieces where the final ball's not coming together. And this is a and this is a thing, and and, and um, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about it, Johnny, and 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 you you've you've you took a bit of heat this week, or not heat, but you took a little bit of had a good few conversations online this week, and uh, funny enough, it's been echoed throughout the press at the moment. But uh, Rachel Malcolm was quoted about it, saying that we need to get this sorted out with um, with funding for the women for, for Scotland women because those are the sort of small mistakes and small um, uh, things that can be cleared up with with. Girls, you know, the women playing professional rugby on a regular basis and be paid for their job um, because they can focus on those small skills. They can focus on those um, uh, those uh, those certain aspects of the, their then job um, to make sure they're doing everything they possibly can to be as perfect as they possibly can. So um, I, I think uh, 
Brian's an attacking coach. He's a, he's he's um, he has brought them on quite quite dramatically, um, including Lisa Thompson. Lisa Thompson has really has really come together as a, a as a, a very very good ten, um, and he's brought you know the pack were always fairly strong, but actually you're now at a stage where. Um, Jade Conkle, Lana Skeldon, who got her fiftieth cap on the on the weekend. Not that they're not standing out, but their surrounding players are at the same sort of level um, and the same sort of go forward level that the that um, that uh, the professional rugby players expect and internationals expect. So I, I think it's 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 all a it's all a process. But if we can get the funding sorted out, so these um, these phenomenal athletes can. Can come together far easier and 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 knock out the small mistakes. Then I think actually Scotland will go places. Certainly, yeah, and I think you know Wales are Wales are a step ahead of us, Gavin. That obviously there's there are there are professional contracts for some of the women in Wales, but if there's going to be something that worries Wales this weekend, it was relying on mistakes from Scotland and relying on the bench this weekend and. The same coming from behind to beat Ireland. Wales women have started pretty slowly their first two games, and you're not going to get a chance against the Red Roses. If you start as slowly as you have, you're not catching them. So is that a concern, you think, this weekend? Well, yeah, I think uh, Young Cunningham's gone for a different kind of approach as well against the Red Roses. He's picked a huge side, you know, kind of uh, Sean and Harris starting, Siwan Lillicrap starting at six, Cecilia Tupoloto starting in the second row. You know, they are they're gonna take him on up front and try to deny them that kind of quick ball that England thrive on. And they they're gonna take the fight to him. In the backs, England are proper and have got the runners who can cause a real problem. So I think Cunningham's match uh, plan against England will be to turn her into a bit of an arm wrestle, uh, really. And kind of uh, Ellie Snowsill's been dropped as well, who are kicking up the hands not being great, and I think you know, it's about trying to match England as best it can. You know, for me, the best we can hope for is if we're within shouting distance of them at half time. You know, we aren't going to be at the end of uh, the game. You know, England haven't scored less than thirty points for nearly four years. You know, they are absolutely in a different stream to everyone else, and, and I think you know, kind of both sides benefited from the mistakes of the others, or and you know, strokes of luck. The, the Scottish try, uh, the winners, they run the Lloyd, who's, uh, the balls bounce because the Arms Park has got you know really weird 4G pitch and it's bounced perfectly for it to score that try. So you probably should have scored a couple more, though. You know, there were a few overlaps that were missed. And, you know, and it's interesting you're saying that Wales are a step about or cut uh, like a few steps ahead. They've only been pro for three months. I don't think the professionalism has made the difference. It will do. It, it will do. Next year, they'll be better again. I mm. think the difference, and it was interesting when I was doing a bit of research and looking at where the Scottish women were playing, and you had players playing for university sides uh, within the squad, and all the Welsh the squad play within the English league system. So they are playing against the Red Roses players week in, week out. And I think that's the difference for them at the moment. So we, we've touched on it. We might as well, I think, fully jump into it again at this point. Uh, Wales do have professional contracts, as you say, Gavin. You know, they've only had them for, for three months. So 
on the pitch, it's not making a massive difference yet. I'm sure it will do. Do you think there's a difference now, though, in the mindset of the Welsh players who are who are going out now and saying, "I am a professional rugby player," and that that maybe that's that's where they're starting to get to get a, an edge straight away. If you saw some of the stories that they were telling a year ago, you know, about Sue Ann Lillacraft talking about doing five-hour round journeys to get to training and stuff, you know, after I'm working full-time, then, yeah, it's it's going to make a difference to the mindset because you, you're not having to focus about other things. You're not having to worry about your job because your job is literally being fit enough and skilled enough to play international rugby. So I think the the mindset will change over time and then the skills will up as well, as we've seen with England. And, and I think, you know, at the minute, it's it's becoming quite competitive. You've got, I, I think it's 12 women on full-time professional contracts, another 12 on retained contracts, with the plan being to extend this as well. And, and the plan is, I think, long-term to be competitive against England and France. We are a long way off being competitive with England, France, who knows? You know, but it makes no sense to me now in a time when professional sport is embracing women's sport. You know, I said this in the chat with John in the week. My son, who's seven, as far as he's concerned, women's sport is professional sport. He's seen England women play football and rugby and he doesn't differentiate. He doesn't consider that to be any different, you know, when he's seen England men or women. And so it seems strange that there are unions, and you know, I can't make a Wales of exactly being early adopters. There are unions that aren't paying their women now. It, it seems strange. Craig, it's our turn, I think, because we we are one of those unions, and you know, I think I think we have to be clear at this point that the SRU are not doing nothing for the women. You know, Brian Easton's been very clear about the fact that they've talked to a lot of the women in the squad about what they can do for them. They're in discussions to get a team into the Premier 15s and things. And there is a lot of support. There's a lot of, of professional coaching support as well. We do have to factor in things like Rachel Malcolm's a doctor. And so the wage that she'd have to be offered to become a full-time professional for Scotland is going to have to be better than, than the wage of a doctor, which is, you know, that's something that's got to be considered in the long term as well. But with all that being said, time for some professional contracts. It was time two years ago. It was time three years ago. Um, I think we we have a situation where we have we have let England go, and it's so frustrating um, because, especially you know, you look at <laughs> you look at France went professional or semi professional, and their their gates are now getting bigger and bigger in, this, in their sports stadiums and. The, 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 the French, um, you know, they've got professional rugby teams. They've got a fan base. They're, they're now getting 20,000, 25,000 to, to games. And we, if you remember correctly, back in the, two, when two, when, in the 2000s when the male game went professional, Scotland were very, very, were, were very far behind it uh, and very resistant of it. And what happened is we then went through a period in the wilderness um, of of games that people, you know, Murrayfield wasn't, you know, wasn't selling out, and eventually we caught up and we started, you know, we started selling out Murrayfield and we're starting to, you know, we had the odd game that was that that was unrepresentative unre- because you know we'd have a 
fluke wins at wrong work, but uh, you know we would have the odd win here and there. But we weren't we weren't competing on the on the Six Nations, um, and I just think we can't have history repeating itself. We need to be in there at the start, uh, and unfortunately we haven't been. But you know we could do with uh, getting on with it and uh, um, uh, and moving forward as quick as we can. Yeah, definitely can. And, and Gavin, the thing that came up time and time again because it was obviously another hot talking point on social media this weekend was everyone's objection seems to be that where's the money going to come from there's no magic money tree is the women's game a product that's generating investment and things and leaving aside the fact that 11 out of 12 clubs in the English Premiership are all running at a loss and so clearly men's rugby is not a investment happy land at the moment anyway we're looking at a new title sponsor this season for in TikTok for, TikTok for the Six Nations. We're looking at primetime coverage on free-to-air channels with this big new BBC deal. They've they've basically sold out King's Home for, for the England-Wales game this weekend, which is a huge deal. That's They're, they're looking at 12,000-plus tickets sold for, for that this weekend. So I think we're maybe getting to the point now, aren't we, where people saying the women's game doesn't generate enough money to pay for the women's players is, is getting to be a dud argument. Yeah, and taking that aside, professional sport doesn't make a lot of money for people anyway. It's you know, kind of, There are very few people, very few clubs that make money out of professional sports. So the idea that women's rugby shouldn't be funded because it's not bringing any money in, well, you know, kind of... I don't think a lot of things bring a lot of money in. The WRU has not made a profit in God knows how long. And if you know, if it claims it has done, it's absolutely lying through its teeth, I reckon. You know, it's uh and, uh and unless of course, you know, you're looking at £120 for match day tickets at uh Principality. I, I don't think it's an argument anymore. If we are saying we value professional sport for men and for women, then then put the money into it. It will make money back. And I think both Wales and England have been sensible because they've looked at stadiums and pricing. That means you're getting decent crowds in, you know, 5,000 at uh, the Arms Park on uh, Saturday, 12,000 at King's Home. You know, a bit of sensible pricing. Pricing. You know, I'm a Dragons fan. The Dragons would kill for a crowd of about 5,000. It's. I, do, I just don't see the argument, you know, and the argument is always... Oh well, I don't think it brings some money in. Yeah, I think there's something else beyond those arguments as well, or behind those arguments as well, isn't it? You know, kind of. Oh, because you, you see the comments, don't you? Oh, it's quite slow. It's you know, it's this, it's that. You know, if see one little crap ran into you, you would know about it, irrespective <laughs> of how quick you think she's doing. Or Jade Conkle, if Jade Conkle decided she was running over you, she's running over you. You know, oh, and I those are. Those arguments are rubbish as well. You know, it's uh, women's sport is sport. Yeah, I, uh, I strongly believe that anyone who's making those sort of comments is probably making it because they're not <clears throat> watching the games, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and Craig, the other thing I think that that you kind of have to talk about when it comes down to the rugby's a business, where is the women, where's the money coming from to pay these women arguments, is that, yes, rugby is a business for Bristol, it's a business for Toulouse. It's, you know, it's a business for, for the clubs. For the unions, 
the uh, the job of the union is to is to develop the game and and profit is secondary. So, you know, the RFU and the WRU have managed to find the money for these women's contracts. It is the job of the SRU and the IRFU, I think, to find that money as well, because we're talking about 50% of the elite level athletes that are representing our country not being paid to do it. Yeah, and you know, if you it's 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 little bits and pieces. Look at Edinburgh, for example. Edinburgh have been attracting crowds of two and a half thousand people in the middle in Big Murrayfield, right? In Daddy Murrayfield. Um everyone it was a laughing stock. Everything everyone you know, you guys all go on about how, how crap the crowds we get. But it was invested in. We got the, we got some phenomenal players coming on board, some good coaches, and then we got the damn health. And all of a sudden, we're now at a stage where we're um, if we're playing good rugby, and we're getting seven thousand in through the door, or getting close to seven thousand in through the door. That's what's happening with women's rugby, and S- the SRU have to understand. I'm sure they do. I hope they understand. Forget about the business side of things. They are there to develop Scottish rugby. That's their job. And to sit back and say, well, you know, we're we're happy to put as much money as we possibly can into Glasgow, into Edinburgh, and into into the male international game and the Super Six. Spend £750,000 on a team that that are the zebra of the American League in old glory... That seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds could have paid for, you know, paid for um, wages for for all the te- all the, the, the internationalists. Um, it would give them probably thirty grand a year. I think I worked it out for twenty five of them over a year. Why are we investing money over there when we should be investing in, you know, say fifty percent of the population in Scotland is not being represented correctly? If it, if rugby is a business, then um, they'd be up on the, uh, they'd be up um, on um, the on charges for for uh, you know within the equal pay in the within the equal pay gap uh, pay act. You know it can't be a business. They can't turn and say we're a business here, but we're not a business there. They have to invest, and I think it's about time they invested. I'm not looking for to to start off giving them exactly what the men have, but I think we should be getting getting close to it at least. Yeah, some someone said to me at the weekend. Uh, so, what's your what's your plan? Would you like them to be paid the same as the men are paid more? Like, I'd start with paid at all. To be honest, would be, yeah. would be good. Um, and you're right. I've just done the quick maths there. Uh, Twenty four contracts at thirty thousand pounds a year, seven hundred twenty thousand pounds. So, uh, less than we're paying to hold up the entire MLR. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did a I did a quick quick calculation as well. Myself, because we went to the Japan game, uh, and and we were in the silver tickets for the Japan game, and purely on what was brought in for that game, at the price that we paid for the silver tickets, it was over two million quid. Now, obviously, that's just what's coming in. You don't get to keep all of that because there are overheads to pay. But that's that's one men's autumn international, and it's over twice what you would need to hand out double the amount of full time professional contracts. That the WRU have held, have handed out, mm. and you know, and, and as we say, you know, Gavin has said already that there hasn't been enough time for the value of those contracts to take hold in Wales. But the f- the fact is that 
they're two from two in the Six Nations now. They've they've put in two 80-minute performances. They've got a team that believes in themselves. And I don't think that there's any way that, that part of that is not because they now know that they are professional players. I think that's it, that's maybe... Look, go on, Gavin. It just allows you, I think, uh, if you paid and you know that's your job, it just allows you to focus on doing it, doesn't it? You know, that's... That's the key difference. Knowing, right, I'm not going to have to drive from London to Bristol or I'm not going to have to drive from Swansea to Bristol to get the training after I've done a full day doing whatever job I'm doing. It allows yeah. you just to focus on the job of being a rugby player. And they were already doing it at a high level. They were already you know, doing it at an international elite level. So the idea that they had to do another job alongside it is absolutely ludicrous. And world world rugby aren't helping things, you know. They they, they put or I think it was it was either the six a Six Nations program um, um, uh, advertisement or marketing campaign. They put up um, a player from each uh, each of the Six Nations and saying, "Here's Jade Conkle. She's an international rugby player and a firefighter." You wouldn't do that with hockey, no. You know. Now, okay, fair enough. That's a phenomenal thing to be a, an international rugby player and a firefighter. Don't get me wrong. That that makes, you know, the women are doing a phenomenal job, but they shouldn't have to. Oh. And I just think it's 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 just wrong now. Yeah. And I think the longer the, that it goes, the bigger the gulf's going to get. Um, you know, I was actually speaking to Gavin about this at the weekend because in an area like the front row, you really see the difference that it's made to the Red Roses. Because if you're a team with where your players aren't professional, you can maybe, maybe get 50 minutes of parity with the Red Roses if you invest all your time for your front rows in scrummaging and all of your gym time in power and you do as much scrummage as you could possibly do every opportunity you get, you do all the gym work that you can possibly do every opportunity that you get and maybe you get two days of training a week and you do nothing but scrummaging and you get three gym days a week after work and you do nothing but working on your power for scrummaging, you might get yourself to the point where you're at parity with the Red Roses. But then their players could do all of that and still have three days to do handling, still have three days to work on their speed, still have days to do the rest of their set piece. So, you know, we're at the stage at the moment, Craig, where teams like Scotland have got to spend all of their energy to to get parity in one area against a professional team and a professional team can develop their entire game because they've just got that much more time. Very much so. And also you, you have to then factor in the fact, you know, factor in the the, the, the the situation of most of our players now to uh, are now playing professional rugby in England. As Gavin said earlier on with the, with, with the, with the Welsh team, um, Scotland, you know, if you look at the Scotland team and look at the, the, the clubs they play for beside their name, there's only maybe uh, three to five players that are that are coming from Scot from Scottish teams and professional teams. All the rest are are, are, are playing for um, playing in London, playing in Bristol, playing in, in Exeter, playing in uh, in uh, in Coventry. So you're then in a situation where um, what you're trying to do. Hiya, how are you doing, Matthew? <laughs> Um, what what you tend to find then is um, uh, they have to travel, 
because they're trying, you know, if we can get get ourselves set up with a professional team up in Scotland and they're playing most of the, you know, hopefully in with a, in, in the um the, the in the, the Premiership with or the Allianz 15s, then they're not having to travel as much as well, so they can be within they can they can come to camp a lot easier as well. So it's just a whole setup, really. I think that's the solution, isn't it? Both Wales and Scotland are in negotiations to have sides in the uh, in the Premier 15s, and you know that's common sense in my head because it allows them to play together more regularly, allows the union to have a bit more uh, impact on what they're doing. But it makes no sense for Scotland to be in negotiations to do the SRU to be in negotiations to do that without first of all identifying their professional player base. Because when Wales do that, and I know that they will and they set up a, a team in Cardiff, then all those women who are contracted will be the ones they pull in first of all. You know, and uh, I don't understand why the SRU won't just do that first and then worry about the club afterwards. Mm. Yeah. I think we have uh, made ourselves pretty clear once again about the uh, the women's setup. Let's uh, let's turn to something hopefully a bit more optimistic, Gav, because you're not just here to to tell us about how much higher performing Wales are. <laughs> you're you're uh, you're doing something pretty special this weekend. Do you want to tell us about it? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm a terrible, terrible rugby player. Uh, Johnny doesn't understand quite how bad I am, but he will see this weekend. The feeling's uh, very much mutual, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you uh, said that I, before us, Nick, then. Well, you've played with him, Craig, so you would know. But uh, <laughs> So myself and uh, a group of uh, players, Johnny included, over this weekend will be playing uh, two games within 24 hours, uh, 300 miles apart. I live on the south coast in uh, Hastings, and we're playing up at Southport. And then on the Sunday, a uh, group of us are playing down in Hastings to raise money for Melanoma UK, uh, which is a patient uh, patient charity for uh, sufferers from skin cancer. And we're doing it in memory of a teammate of mine, uh, a wonderful tight head called Nick Giles, who uh, passed away uh, two years ago, now 18 months ago, from, uh, from melanoma at the age of 33. And... Uh, Nick, Nick like doing ridiculous things. Nick would say, "Oh, let's let's do something," and you would find yourself in absolutely ludicrous situations, and you'd have no real idea how. So I wanted to do something pretty much along those lines, where you know, kind of, I know at the end of the game on Saturday in Southport, I'm gonna be absolutely blowing out every orifice, thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to travel another 300 miles and do this again." And Johnny and a number of people from uh, from other rugby podcasts uh, was going to be John as well, but unfortunately he's not able to make it now. Uh, are joining us for the Northern Leg, and uh, yeah, it's uh, rugby is a funny old sport, and because they talk about rugby uh, values, and I think rugby values in professional sport is nonsense. You know, where you can say, "Oh, look, Exeter." Drinking beers with each other, at you know, that's just people drinking with the people they work with. I do that; it doesn't mean anything. But uh, within grassroots rugby, there are values. There are values. I mean, the people are willing to do stuff like this. Are willing to travel the length for the country to play rugby. They are willing to do ridiculous things for each other. And and Nick just loved loved the social aspects of rugby. He, he loved. You know, kind of having a drink afterwards because he was a you know, proper scrummaging prop and he would spend his entire game folding people up. 
but then would always make sure he'd have a beer with him afterwards. And, you know, kind of, we didn't know it, but he knew it. He'd been uh, already uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer, and he did a shift in the tight, uh, a tight head in a cup semi-final against a higher league team, you know, and still folded his block up. And at that point, he knew he was dying. So I just wanted to do something kind of meaningful, I suppose. And I also wanted to play rugby in a different part of the country, but, you know. Brilliant. And I am so excited. I'm half I'm halfway through my journey just now. That's what brought me to Glasgow. So um no, I am very, very excited. Uh I've got to kind of know a little bit about Nick from obviously speaking to Gav for for the last few months and, and he's written some really nice pieces and stuff about it. Um very much in the Craig Manson world, I think, from from what I've heard about him and what I know about him. So I'm going to give you a minute, Craig, to let Gav know exactly what he's let himself in for by asking me to come and play on Saturday. <laughs> Not only play, co-captain, Johnny. Co-captain. <laughs> you know, captain, well, let's just start this off with captain. A fullback should never be captain. So uh, <laughs> he, sounds, uh, he sounds like a guy I could have a point with um, and really enjoy... Uh, would have enjoyed uh, his company. Um, uh, uh, first things first, uh, tight heads are gods, and um, and I will not I will not have anyone say uh, anything other than that. Um, it uh, it's a phenomenal thing to do. I know how what it's like to um, drag my uh, old heavyweight carcass on a rugby field and um, and have joint you know work hard in the scrum. Get some good, you know, some uh, some good set piece to provide good ball, and then have Johnny drop it at the uh, at the, <laughs> at the last moment and have to scrummage all again. Um, so um, you guys are doing a great thing, um, and uh, more power to you. And I'm really disappointed that John Anderson has come down with some sort of illness, and I'm making the, the I'm making the sort of quotation marks sound uh, quotation mark signal in, uh, on the live feed. Um, so that he doesn't have to come and play. So um, it'll be an intro. He's missing out, that's for sure. Yeah, he um, he talked a good game, did Anderson as well, about how he was going to play two positions and everything. So we're, we're scrambling to cover, but you, you've managed to get quite a lot of people involved, Gav. There's a, there's a fair few who's that's of rugby coming down on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, uh, originally my plan was I was going to find somewhere in the north and I was just going to play for their third team or something and then travel back down. But then teammates in my club, uh, St. Leonard CP, they said, oh, we want to do this. And we've got about 12 of those guys and we've got some former players as well who live as far apart as Cornwall and North Wales kind of come in. But then, you know, we've got uh, Lee Calvert from Blood and Mud, uh, Will Owen uh, from uh, Squid Rugby uh, World Cup podcast, um, Sam Larner, who writes for Rugby World and does a whiteboard rugby, uh, Grav Prosser from uh, Rock and Roll. You know, we've got lots of guys from uh, Rugby Podcast, yourself as well, obviously, Johnny. Uh, you know, lots of guys. And, and to be fair, it was it was Cammy from this podcast who suggested doing like something like this to me in the first place. And originally, okay. I was looking for something on the Scottish borders, but I realised we'd have to leave there about four o'clock in the morning to get to Hastings uh, in time for a kickoff. So uh, <laughs> the logistics didn't quite work there. But yeah, I, I think it's great as well. You know, I've got guys from I think we've got fifteen different clubs represented. 
which is remarkable, really. You know, for but that's that's the real rugby spirit. That the fact that people would do a free tether, you know, not uh, nor happens in the pro game. I was uh, I was quite impressed as well because I was putting together the ridiculously over the top team <laughs> announcement video, um, and all all four home nations represented on Saturday as well. So it should be it should be good fun. Um, I want to address one last thing before we finish off, and we'll we'll jump into the Patreon for for the URC and for Hands in the Ruck because uh, Dougie Lowe, friend of the podcast, who was also meant to be playing on Saturday, says he says he's come down with a dodgy calf injury. Now. We've got a group chat, obviously, for the guys playing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and I told them, Craig, that I'm taking the other mitt down with me. And it's not been well received. So I need some backup from you, please, Mr. Manson, about the magical healing powers of using other mint in a rugby match. Because Dougie is another one who, who refuses to believe that it's a thing I should be doing. Oh, well, Dougie's, you know, listen, anything that's designed to bring um, blood to a cow's teeth, um, will definitely um, make sure that it brings a rush of blood to the uh, affected area. We were very lucky. We had Otherman and Eddie, um, and Eddie used to uh, look after us in a spiritual way as well. Um, so it used to get us through through our games that we uh, that we played together, um, especially if bits were hanging off us or were threatening to hang off us. So, uh, but Otherman, yeah, um, I was introduced to Otherman by Mike Black, who played uh, who played um, a huge amount of games for the Howard Fife, um, and being a um, a sheep farmer and a, and a, a, a general. Well, he just a general farmer as, as such, and he, he said, "Oh, this other mint, this you should have a try of this. It's a lot better than any of the other brands that are on the market." And my goodness, it helped the shoulders out a great deal. So yeah, I uh, I trained with a club in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and one of their vets absolutely sways by gold label horse embrication. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> different different versions of it around the world. Clearly, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I uh, spoke to a friend of mine when this first reared its ugly head the other day. Uh, her dad does a bit of coaching both in Ireland and in Jersey. Uh, and I said said to her, Patricia, can you please ask your dad if, if he's got Udderman in the medical bag? <coughs> and, she, and straight away, without even questioning what she was talking about or why she wanted to know, uh, he texted her back and said, I don't, but we do have Orf paste. And I googled it and it's the same thing, but for sheep. So... <laughs> There, there are obviously a couple of variations of them, and I just want the word to go forth from here that a lot of the guys from the St. Leonard's guys that, that Gavin's bringing up on Saturday don't seem convinced by other mint, but I'm glad to have <laughs> glad to have the support of Craig, and, and we're not the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think that's probably covered everything that, that we want to talk about for for Scotland women, and we've had a, we've had a good chat about about what we're doing this weekend. So I think we'll do. As we did last week, we'll keep keep the URC chat for the Patreon and and the hands in the ruck. Uh, Gav, obviously, you've already mentioned you're a Dragons fan. If you don't want to talk about the URC, that's okay. <laughs> you you could just you could listen to me and me and Craig talk. Um, but we will take a, a quick comfort break. So it's for anyone watching on the live stream who's not a Patreon and anyone listening on the the free version. It's uh, a goodbye from me and, and goodbye from Craig and Gavin for just now. <laughs> 